life. We're all in it together. There's nothing I can say that will explain it for you. Let's make it the best we can. Sooner or later, you're going to realize, just as I did, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking. Someone has to stop him. It's time for The Marshall Plan, a positive look at our world and how to make it better with your host, Steve Marshall. Look at you stopping by for chapter three. That means the first couple of chapters were at least intriguing enough to make you come by for another listen. Thank you very much for that. It's the Marshall Plan. My name is Steve Marshall. I appreciate you stopping by. I mentioned in chapter two that uh, we're going to be talking about drama today and people that are addicted to drama. Why do we insert our nose into other people's business? As an ex of mine used to say, why don't we stay in our own cup? Why do we jump cups and go into somebody else's cup? Because their cup is their thing. And those are kind of the things I wanted to explore a little bit today. And I've got my thoughts on them, which I will share. There is some, I don't want to say scientific proof because I'm not really sure of the science of this per se, but I do know that there's something that I'll say could slightly back up the theory of that I have about this, but when it comes to being addicted to drama and and I'll touch on that, but again, I I don't profess to have any, you know, in-depth scientific knowledge that makes it an absolute. It's more of a theory that's backed up by some practicalities that seem legit to me. Does that make sense? Okay. In my brain, it does anyway. Well, we all know somebody, we've all got somebody in our lives, maybe multiple somebodies who like to stick their nose into other people's business, or as my ex used to say, jump cups, or as others have said, they don't tend to their own garden. And why do they do that? Well, I mentioned in in chapter two, I might have even mentioned part of this in chapter one, the last 18 months or so has been really eye opening for me. I've a lot, you know, a lot of us were all bummed out about the pandemic and all that, that part of it. Yes. But there has been an upside, I think, because it's forced a lot of us to spend more time with ourselves and not focus on outside things, meaning not going to work and getting wrapped up in workplace drama, not going out to a lot of restaurants. And, and distracting ourselves with going out and doing things. And we've had to stay home. And if you were in the house with a spouse or family members or friends or whatever, you know, you've, you've had them to talk to. But we've all had a lot of time to do a little self-reflection if you chose to do that. I chose to do that. I had to do that. I'm so glad I've done that. Now I can look back and go, wow, OK, I don't even know what the hell I was thinking for a good chunk of my life in certain cases. And so now I've had a little time to reflect on that and I've gotten into my own stuff. I've, I've dug down deep in reflected on myself and tried to figure out who am I, who, who am I to be truthful to myself? And that was part of what uh, chapters one and two touched on a little bit. Chapter one was about the intro and chapter two. I wanted to talk a little bit about real men and what that means and all of that. And, and both of which I touched on the fact that it's taken a lot, but I, I think I've kind of figured out more of who I am. I don't know if we're ever, we ever get to a point where we quote, find ourselves. Oh my gosh, they found themselves. It was so nice. We don't ever get to that. We're always works in progress, but we can look at ourselves and get to know ourselves a little bit more, which is why this podcast took so long for me to get up. I was going to do it last year and it just, the idea I had just didn't feel right. It did. It felt like it's something I felt like I was supposed to be doing or that I was doing 
I don't know, it felt good in the moment, but then the more I've reflected on it and the more I've really thought about it, it's like, this is more of what I want to do. I'm a little bit, people used to call me a cynic. I'd like to think I'm a realist. So it's given me the chance to, to look at myself and to get to know myself, which is why I finally decided to start doing this podcast. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are afraid to look down deep inside and reflect on themselves. Now, they would say, those people would say, no, I'm not afraid. I love helping other people. That's great. That's not a bad thing. But that is not looking into yourself. In fact, it can do quite the opposite. When we put so much energy into other people and other situations and people outside of ourselves, when we try to focus on helping others in the sense that we're trying to change their behavior, their decision making process or whatever, we're not looking at ourselves. We're not tending to our own garden. There's a reason why I love the analogy on the airplane, and I've done so much flying in the last few years, even during the pandemic, just a ton of flying. I've always loved the part where they're doing the demonstration and they're talking about the little oxygen mask falling out of the ceiling and blah, 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 blah. And they always say, adjust your own before you help others, because if we're not good with ourselves... How are we then going to be any good to the people around us, our family, our friends, society in general, the world? How can we serve others well if we can't even serve ourselves? And being embroiled in other people's shit and other people's drama, that is not serving ourself. And this is not a narcissistic thing. This is not a selfish thing. It's a legit thing. Now, I'm going to be honest, and I just said this, I want to say yesterday, I don't remember when I said this, but I I said this in the last few days to my fiance, I said, it can go too far the other way to where I think there's been buzz terms that have been brought up like self-care and I need a mental health day and stuff like that. And I think we can go too far the other way and we're using it as an excuse. That can be a problem going the other way, but I do think finding a nice balance in the middle of caring for ourselves, having self-care, taking a mental health day once in a while, having time for yourself, and then also serving others, not in a way that takes us away from ourselves, though, in the sense that if we don't know who we are, we can't help other people. But a lot of people are so hardcore on fixing everyone else's problems that they don't think about their own stuff. And that's why they do it. Now, they don't consciously do this. If you ask somebody, hey, do you focus on your sister's problems because it keeps you from thinking about yours? They would automatically say no. And consciously, that would be true. But as we know, Our waking conscious brain is only a very small part of why we make decisions the way we do and why we act the way we do and our personality and all of that. Much of it is stuff that has been wired into our brain, some of it from birth, some of it from learned behavior over the years. There's other things that that shape who we are and, and how we view the world and how we deal with our own stuff and other people's stuff and all of that. But for the most part, this would be more of a subconscious thing where people don't quite realize that they do that because we don't like to look at ourselves in the mirror too much. We would rather focus on the noise in other people's lives. We all do this to some degree. We all, I'll say, distract ourselves 
from the ugly parts that we don't want to deal with. So we, you know, we go out, we hang out, we we meet people, we we play video games, we watch TV, we go to movies, we listen to music, we read books, and all of these things are fine. All of the none of these things are bad inherently, but if we use all of the as I I love the 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 monkey brain as we use the monkey brain chatter to get through each day, we have less and less time to reflect on us and to deal with our own stuff. And I don't mean stuff by the problems in our life, making sure the mortgage is paid, making sure the kids have braces. What I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our own emotional development, our mental development, in some cases, our physical development. I don't have time to work out. I saw this one thing. Okay. And I'm going to get more into the drama thing, but I saw this one thing the other day that I found fascinating and it was about dad bods, guys with dad bods. And one of the things I've done in the last year and a half is I've really made a concerted effort to get myself in better shape, to eat better, to eat as clean as possible and to work out much more than I did. And much, I'll say much harder than I did push myself a little bit further. It's, it's, it's worked. I've since the pandemic where a lot of people, People were gaining weight. I've lost 50 pounds. I, I, I'm down to, I, this sounds like I'm bragging and I'm not, I'm down to like, I don't know, 22% body fat or something like that. And I feel good. I feel more like I, I felt like I should have been feeling all the time, but I allowed myself to get distracted over the years with life. And, you know, I like to go out and I like to drink alcohol and eat pizzas and stuff like that. I like that stuff. I still do it. I just do it in less amounts. I, I have an 80-20 rule. It's like I follow my workouts and and I eat really good for about 80% of the time. Actually, it's a little more than that. But And then, uh, you know, 20% of the time, yes, I eat pizza and a burger or French fries or I'll have a beer or something like that because I like that stuff too. So anyway, so they were talking about dad bods. And the point was, well, why do one of the reasons why women like dad bods is so, well, you, you don't want your husband or your boyfriend to spend too much time in the gym. An hour a day is all it takes. An hour, if that. You could, I could knock out a really good workout in a half an hour, 30 minutes to an hour a day. That's all you need. If you're spending three hours in the gym, you're doing something wrong. You're sitting around too much and all that. I'll make that a whole other show. But right now we're talking about drama. So what people will do is we distract ourselves and we don't work on ourselves, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, whatever. We don't sit around and figure out, okay, why did I make these bad decisions that I made? Why did I make these good decisions that I made? What is the difference? What is the underlying factor behind a lot of this stuff? And so when we're wrapped up in other people's drama and crap, we don't have to focus on ourselves, which is a huge thing, because if everybody or if more people would focus more on their own crap, then we would all just be better off in general because we would all be making better decisions. But no, no, I'm fine. I'm good the way I am. You're the one that's fucked up. I'm not. I mean, that's typically people's mindset. You're the one with the issues. Not I got my life under control when in reality they don't because none of us do. There was a a movie that was out. I don't even remember exactly when it came out. I want to say like 2006 in that range somewhere called What the Bleep Down the Rabbit Hole had Marley Matlin in it. It was part documentary, part narrative, meaning that it did have a a little bit of a storyline, but they would always break away and they would be talking to different experts and things like that throughout it to make the point of whatever the previous scene was, which I really liked it. It was about quantum physics and not the math stuff. I can't do the math for quantum physics, but the theories behind quantum physics. And one of the things that I learned from that movie, now this is the science part that I'm not exactly sold on because I, I don't really know the hardcore scientific aspects of this. All I know is what I learned from this movie and what I've done a little bit of reading on since then. There's a a thing when we feel an emotion, whether it's anger, happiness, sadness, whatever, 
there's our body releases peptides and these peptides are like little keys and these little keys fit into our cells like they were little locks. So every time we feel an emotion, our body releases a peptide that then goes and can lock in just like a key into a lock into our cells. So our cells almost in a literal way become addicted to that specific emotion because that's the peptide that they're used to. So if we go too long without drama in our lives, if that's what we're used to, like that rush of adrenaline, or we go too long without feeling sad or angry or whatever, our cells are are literally down inside of our body screaming at our brain, we want our fix. So then our brain creates a scenario or a situation that then gives us our fix. So we may sabotage ourselves or our relationships or our jobs or whatever. We do something to stir it up a little bit so that we can feel that emotion. And again, this we're not doing this consciously. These are all things going on behind the scenes. So we can feel that emotion. Those peptides are released and they lock into our cells. And for the moment, we're like, okay, I got my fix. Yay. Now, if you ask anybody, are you addicted to drama? Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Now, my cousin Nancy, she is, but I'm not. But let me tell you what Janine says about this. And then they proceed to tell us what somebody else says about it. And but we really kind of are because, again, we don't have to focus on our own crap. People will even go so far as to indoctrinate, let's say, children, whether it's their own grandkids, nieces, nephews, whatever, without realizing that they're doing it, indoctrinate their these kids to, I'll say, act, react, think like they do, because isn't that natural? We all train the younger generation to think and act however we act. It's just kind of a natural thing. So if you're addicted to drama, there's a pretty damn good chance that your kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, they can be too. For instance, those people who do not, when when the kids grow up, they not only do not want their kids to move away, but they actively try to prevent them from doing so and because they don't want to feel lonely. So you're not using, those people are not using the, they're using their family members, whatever that is, for their own little human pacifier to make themselves feel better. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to have to deal with my own life, so please stay here so I can focus on yours. And again, they don't realize they're doing it. But that's why we need to really, yes, take into account what people feel and think about decisions and stuff like that that we're going to make. But ultimately, it's your life. Ultimately, it's your decision to move away or do something you want to do, end a relationship, leave a job, switch careers, whatever the hell it is. It's your decision. So no matter what your family says, because you have to look at what is their motivation. Now, if it's just the sheer fact that they're like, hey, be happy, whatever you think is going to make you happy. I will say this. Let me offer up this suggestion and then give you a piece of advice based on their own experience that may come in helpful for you. But if they just flat out say, I don't want you to move. Please don't take my kids away or my grandkids away. I won't ever see them again. It's not about you. It's about those people and their life. Let them go live their lives. Find friends, get a hobby. I don't know what the hell to tell you, but focus on yourself. Don't be so addicted to other people's drama and stuff that that you're trying to manipulate them to fit your own wants and needs, because that's not cool. But a lot of people do it. 
And again, because of the peptides and the emotions, they don't realize they're doing it. And they're just so used to doing it. It's, it's kind of like driving or riding a bike or doing anything that you do repetitively with the muscle memory and all of that. It, you don't even realize you're doing it sometimes. Being on the radio is that way for me. You stick me in front of a mic, turn the mic on and I'll go. I don't even think about it half the time. I don't. I, I mean, I yes, I think about what I'm going to say most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes I just start talking and see what happens, which is what this podcast generally is. But that's one of those things that I just have. It's like driving for me. I, I don't even, I don't really even think I just do it because I've been doing it for so long. And that's what happens. We don't even think about what we're doing. We just naturally act or react until we can take a step back and take a look at ourselves and go, okay, why did I make these decisions? Why did I get myself so involved in somebody else's life? Why did I not want my grandkids and my child to move away to another state or something? Why? Why? Yes, you're going to miss them. I understand that. That's an obvious one. But what is the underlying reason? Because there's more to it than that. Our initial response to something is typically not really what's motivating our response. It's really something much deeper. And we're just going with the more surface level thing because it's easier. So when we can take a step back and really look deep down and go, oh, man, OK, yeah, I can see why I did that now or I can see why I made that decision. That was, oh my goodness, what was wrong with me at that time? But there's nothing wrong with you. You made the best decision you could at that time. Throughout our lives, obviously, things happen. <laughs> there's forks in the road. If we're paying enough attention, we can learn from them. Now, for some of us, I will fully admit it took me way too long of my adult life to be able to figure a lot of my shit out. And there was stuff from my childhood that I'd blocked out and didn't want to deal with and all that. Once you do that, you can really start to make strides forward. And you can start to live your best life for you and not live the life you think you're supposed to have or the one that makes you necessarily feel safe. And you're not using other people for human pacifiers to make yourself feel better in that moment. And perhaps you can break the addiction to the drama. Just a thought. So thanks for stopping by and checking out chapter three here of The Marshall Plan with me, Steve Marshall. Chapter four, we're going to go more physical. Yeah, we're going to talk about eating and working out a little bit. And I, I don't even want to say that because as soon as people hear the word work out, they're like, oh, it, mm -mm, not doing that, shutting down. Nope, nope. Where's the magic pill? I don't mean that. I have a, a very simple philosophy when it comes to physical activity. It's or I should say overall health. Move more than you did and eat better. That's it. That's all. So we'll talk about moving more and eating better and the things that we don't think about when it comes to nutrition because i've learned a lot in the last couple of years about this stuff because i've had to do my homework so i know what i'm doing and i know what's good for me so that's coming up chapter four of the marshall plan right here thank you so much i appreciate you listening see ya